You're listening to Navid Musa of The Mindset Movement. Hey guys, Navid Musa here from The Mindset Movement, the podcast. Hope you've been enjoying the content that we've been providing for you guys. We decided to change it up a little bit here. So in the past, I've done some serious, some educational pieces. But I was recently approached by a group of investors who wanted to have a more intimate setting, if you will, about learning about my path of how I got where I am now. And then they want to have a little Q&A section at the end. So what we did was uh, just that. We basically rented a small little office area and we got together and I told them my story, my path. And afterwards, we had a Q&A session of whatever they wanted to talk about and nothing was off limits. So this is part one. Hope you enjoy it. It's a it's a total of eight parts. The first four parts is going to be actually where I'm speaking to the, to the group. And then the last four parts is going to be the, uh, the question, the Q&A session, if you will. So enjoy this part one of uh, me. <laughs> All right. I'm much clearer. Um, so as, thank you, Caesar, very much. Thanks, Michelle, for having this. Um, as they said, my name is Nabid Musa. Uh, real quick about the charity. The charity cause is the Care Foundation, K-H-I-A-R. Um, it's basically, a, it's a world foundation, if you will, but there's a branch in the Phoenixville area, Montgomery County, and we're building a, a mosque. I, I'm a practicing Muslim, um, and we have a mosque being built there. We've already purchased the land, and now we're building like a 30,000 square foot facility to have a school, indoor facility for the kids and stuff like that and whatever. So the donations are really going for the, the construction of it to provide an Islamic school there, uh, after school program, but it's all open to the general public regardless of your faith. So that is, in a nutshell, what, what the charity is about. Um, as far as, as myself, I've been in real estate since 2000, so for 20 plus years. Um, I'm gonna give you a little quick background, family background, not too much, just to kind of give you the story of the grit of the foundation of my business, um, which I spoke at some other event. So let me, I'll take another step back. My why for doing this is several reasons. I suck at public speaking. So I need to get better at it, so I'm getting out of my comfort zone. Um, I, I see a lot of people have a, have a very short success, and I'm happy for them, but they'll sell or flip one house or do a wholesale deal, and then they feel they can have a master class or a mastermind group, and they just want to go forward with that. And I'm glad you're having success in some of you that they're doing. That's awesome. But that, those same people, when if adversity hits, they can't guide you to those things. And that's when it counts. It's the adversity that kind of shapes you. Anyone can go on YouTube and learn how to flip a home, really wholesale a deal or become a property manager or whatever it is. But once you go through it, when you hit the hard times, when you hit the, the, land, the tenants who don't pay, uh, the, the contractors who take your money and run, and the wholesale deal with the buyer backs out, well, how do you handle those, right? So for many, many years, I kind of sat by the sidelines and would just pull my hair when I had it and it was like, this is driving me nuts. How can you, how, how can you do this? Like, how can you tell these people you're, uh, you're this, yeah, you've had success, but you haven't gone through a lot of this stuff, you know? So that's my why of doing this is also that you guys are gonna go through some, can I curse? Yeah, Okay, you're gonna go through some shit. <laughs> you're gonna go through some serious shit here left and right. And I hope you don't. But a part of me kind of hopes you do a little bit because that's how you're gonna really gonna learn. You know, it's not out of a bad place. It's just kind of like, ah, see, this is, but that's how you learn and grow. No matter if it's if you're a five-year-old kid or a 50-year-old kid, that's how we all learn and grow. So my family background. Um, I'm first generation here, born in this country. My family is from Uganda, Africa. 
Um, they came here in, in 72. The terms of them coming over were pretty simple and direct. You have 90 days to leave the country or you're basically shot on the 91st day and you're left here for dead. And the story behind that is uh, if you were not from a certain tribe, you couldn't stay. And if you were from that tribe, you could stay. And so my mother was expecting uh, son, son number six uh, at the time. And so in October, roughly the, the fall season, they left in 72. Uh, my father went to Italy via Red Cross. My mother had family in the UK, so she was able to go to the UK with all the kids. And then March, April, roughly of 73, Red Cross got them together. A church sponsored my family in Carlisle to come to Harrisburg. So that's how we made it here to this country over here. Uh, my father and mom built a business of hotels and restaurants and they had lost everything. They needed to leave Uganda with only one suitcase per person, the money in the house, the money you had on your, in your pocket, any assets were seized, businesses, cars, houses, and whatever clothes you couldn't fit in the one suitcase, you didn't get it. Whatever money was in the bank, you couldn't take it with you. That was it. So they had to start from scratch over here. That's the quick background on that there. And the reason I'm giving you that is that to show you when I explain kind of what I put myself through as opposed to what people put me through as well. I, in 1998, uh, was working at a, at a credit union and this gentleman kept coming in and depositing these checks. He worked at the state, I was a teller, and I, I, I had to ask him, I was like, how the hell are you, where's this money coming from? I see your paychecks coming in, but you're buying this $25,000, $30,000 checks. And so he said, meet me Saturday here, I was in Harrisburg at the time, meet me at this property, a multi-unit in Harrisburg, let's go check it out. Okay. And when I go there, I just see, we go to three units, one of the units just had a, a, a mattress and a pillow in it, nothing else. So I'm like, this is going to go one of two ways. Either this is not going to go good for me, or it's going to go, I'm going to learn something, or, or this is going to be just like a, a network, uh, a, uh, an, uh, an episode on TLC or something like that, one or the other. But it was good. He basically was telling me what was called now house hacking. It was a loophole in FHA. If you had a three-unit building, anything less than four, four units or less, you guys, most of you may know, you know, you live in the one unit, you run out the other, you can get FHA financing for it. So back then, I understand this is 1998, so a lot of the, it was loosey-goosey on the hands over there. He was basically getting FHA financing and then not living in the, in the place and just renting all four units out. And then he'd refinance it back out and pull out $25,000, $30,000. He did it and his wife would do it separately. So we, all these checks were coming on these refis and stuff like that. And so that's how I, that was my introduction to real estate in that, right, in, in 1998. For many years, I, as I was at the credit union, I kept, I thought about that moment and I got promoted and became from a teller to a teller supervisor to the, you know, IT manager. When I got to IT, I was making a lot more money. But in normal fashion, like most of us, more money, we spend more, right? We increase our living, we make more money, and it's like, okay, well, this car's no longer good, this car's better. These clothes are no longer good, it's over here. So, and I'm like, no, I'm gonna be different. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna invest in real estate. The problem was, I was a lazy mofo. I really didn't do, wanted to do all the work that was involved. Although he told me that it was, hey, just put a mattress in and get a refinance to get a check back. What he didn't tell me, and what I didn't ask, was, the renovation side of the stuff. For those who flip, we all know the horrors of a contractor and renovations. So I decide I'm not gonna be the, the statistic and then because I got a better job, just dump all this money out into cars and clothing and going out and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I'm gonna get into real estate. 
I had a, a shitty credit score to begin with, so I started fixing my credit. That same gentleman who came in to, to the teller line, I reached out to him and he said, here's the person who I used. I met with them, talked with them. They were a one-stop shop. They were private money lenders, contractors, and lenders for refinancing out. And they, would, they were wholesalers too. So they, they, I just went to them, I said, here's what I'm looking for. They would find the property, renovate it for me, and refi it out and give me everything. And it was like no money at all. I'm like, oh, this is great. It was great on paper. I was getting a three-unit building, two blocks from the governor's mansion in downtown Harrisburg, all in for $125,000. And I was getting eight, an $8,000 eight check back at closing. Right? So for the most part, it looked good. Until stuff start happening in the building that I didn't know would happen to a building. And when you tell me I'm getting a turnkey building, I'm thinking it's, it's perfect. For the next 30 years, I have to do nothing to it, right? Uh, that's not the case. I ended up staying in the middle unit. I moved, I was 25 at the time. Stayed in the middle unit. I rented out the first floor to someone who worked at the credit union. And I rented out the third floor to a, a family member. Next thing you know, it's, I don't know, 9, 10 o'clock at night, I got a on the door, it's the tenant from the first floor. Hey, my lights don't work. I'm like, oh, maybe it's just the bulb. Go to the bulb in, it's not the bulb. So I go to the light switch, and I, and I, I still remember, I go to the light switch, and it pushes in. I go to turn it on, it just doof, I'm like, what? And I put my hand on it like this, and it, the, whole, the whole wall is just going like that. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So I'm like, give me a minute. So I go, should I get the screwdriver, take it out, look at it. And it's nothing but cigarette paper and papers and shavings of, of the floor and then drywall just shoved back in there as their installation point and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, it's 9 o'clock at night. I can't get anyone, stuff like that. So I told her, I said, you can have my place. I'm going to go back to my mom's. <laughs> so... I went home, I gave her my place until I can get it fixed. Um, of course, um, I'm just gonna make some dates up here. Basically, we settled on February 1st, she moved in March 1st, and these happened, these problems happened like March 3rd, for example. It was really, really close, close time frame. So I called the person who found me the deal, that gave me the lending and all the contracting. I called them up and said, hey, what's going on here? He was like, oh, no, they're, they're, they're good. And I'm like, no, they're not good. <laughs> You need to come see this. Now, this is before iPhones, guys. You know what I'm saying? You had the flip phones. You had the Nextels. So there was no FaceTime. And there was no one to send me a picture. And there wasn't those things. It was like, no, you got to come. Set a meeting. Come check it out. All that kind of things. So I, very ironically, they could never make a meeting that I wanted to show them the place. Oh, we're busy. Oh, I sorry, I forgot. Oh, I got held up. I don't, I don't want to say I was naive. I want to say I was stupid. And I was scared because my ego and my pride refused to actually admit what was going on. I knew I was getting scammed. I knew it, but I didn't want to admit it. If I admit I was getting scammed and I was admitting to my dad that he was right, I should never bought the place, right? So I'm like, okay, oh yeah, I understand life gets, okay, that's fine, let me know. They never came back out. They never did. So I call them, you know, like, I'm blessed to have six older brothers. I called my one up and said, listen, here's what I'm going through, and he's in real estate. And he said, yeah, you know, call him this guy if he'll come, he did. Gentleman came out, helped me out. Before I know it, that one light switch was a $15,000 electrical issue that on the whole building, which I would have paid double more because it was a fire hazard waiting to happen. And to make matters worse, 
during the, the discovery of this issue, we go to the basement to look at the electrical box. There is asbestos from side to side on every single pipe. How did I get a clear city letter? Back then, the city was inspecting every property for asbestos, for wiring, and you had to have it signed off by somebody. I didn't sign it, right? So how did I get through city codes? I'm like, all right, so I'm like, I gotta figure out how to get rid of this. Got the electrical problem done, and then I'm like, okay, I told the tenants, I gotta get this taken care of. That poor lady in the first floor, again, I was like, I'm gonna put you up at a hotel. You can stay there for a couple of days, I get this stuff done. Now, not gonna lie, I didn't go get a hired company. I got two of my friends, we put on some clothes from Kmart, and some big ass gloves from Heckinger's, and we said, let's remove this stuff. And we put everything in plastic in a, um, first thing we did was actually cut it, if I remember, we just cut it with a, with a, with a, uh, a razor cutter and just cut it so it became loose and put lines down in it. That was the first thing. Then we wrapped everything in, in like 15 gauge <laughs> trash bags and stuff like that and just removed everything down, every single pipe and stuff like that. When we were done, we looked like legit Ghostbusters. We were done out of there and stuff like that and we were like, all right, we burned everything, got rid of it, and that was how we abated the asbestos back then. And at this point, I was like, real estate sucks. I'm never doing it again. I've had it. Let me sell this building. So I go back to the gentleman who screwed me over because I'm a jackass, and I said, can you find me a buyer? He said, oh, with all the damage here, you know, you really can't sell this for, for worth. I'm like, you mother... And listen, <laughs> you just said everything was fine. Now all the time with all the damage in here that I sure as hell didn't cause, you, you say you're not going to get So I'm like, all right, you know, whatever, dude, I'm out of here. So I kept it. And I kept it, and uh, I ended up doing a lease option rent to own where I just said, a, some, a gentleman in, I think, in New Jersey, he basically just rented the whole building off of me. And that was it. That became another headache because I didn't consult anybody with that because I know everything. I'm 25 and I'm on top of the world. And I'm making 800 bucks a week because I was the richest man in the world, right? 800 bucks a week. So um, the refinance that I had done before I did this was only a refinance for the principal and the interest, not the taxes, okay? My note, I want to say it was like 800 and some dollars a month. So when I did the lease to own, I did it. I said, yeah, 800 bucks a month. Just, I, just, I wanted it gone, it went out of my head. You know, my now wife, we just got engaged, so I wanted to relocate out to this area. And he was like, oh yeah, sure. So all I did was dollar for dollar, my mortgage payment's 800 bucks, for example. I just leased it to him for 800 bucks, not the taxes. taxes. No taxes included in insurance, exactly. So I'm getting the check, and then I stopped getting the check. And so then he, same thing, he avoids me. I know he's avoiding me. And I know I should do something about it, but my ego said, no, it's okay, just maintain your business and your life up here. It kept eating me up, it kept eating me up, so I decided to go down there. I went looked at the building. He ended up leasing the building apparently to one individual, a student, and the place was a mess. And the sewage had collapsed in the basement, so it was, it was horrible. It was, a big, it was just a clusterfuck for the most part. Ended up going to foreclosure when it was all said and done, and I lost the place. Bought the place in 2000. I lost it in 2002, 2003, roughly. I was like, I'm done. Real estate sucks. You know, Carlton Sheets, you can kiss my ass. Every, you, guys, you guys forget, I'm done. So I just stayed in my bank job. Stayed in my bank job, stayed in my circle, doing what I'm going to do. 
My wife and I, we relocate up here. I relocate, I get a job at another bank up this way. I managed about 43, 45 people. I was in the IT staff. I did online banking, ATM machines, uh, payroll. I managed all the, all the staff there. They were so sick and tired of me talking about real estate that they were like, you need to just go on sales. You need to go on sales. But my brother was the worst. He was like, I'm so sick and tired. So sick and tired that in 2005, February, he said, I'm buying, he just bought me the course. He said, here's your real estate class. Here's, he said, how much does it cost? Uh, Polian Associates is where I took my course at. I was like, I don't know, it's like five, 600 bucks, something like that. And he was like, so you know, I got a, I got a check in the mail, right? For like 500 bucks, whatever it was. He was like, that's your birthday gift. Go buy the goddamn course and stop talking about it and just go get your real estate license. I'm like, okay. Um, it's a very good investment for him because he's still weaning off that. Um, he bought that course. I took the course and my wife legit, so side note, my wife's sister and I are like brothers and sisters. We can't stay in each other and we love each other at the same time. But my wife knew that I was so unhappy. I mean, so unhappy at my job. And what really pushed, pushed me to the edge, if you will, was there was a position, a VP position at this bank. And I was, everyone was like, you should go for it, you should go for it, you should go for it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I looked at the qualifications. I'm like, this is a no-brainer. Now, mind you, when I applied at the bank, I didn't apply to be a manager for IT or anything like that. I just wanted to be the check sorter. The guy who sat there and just did the checks that went through the machine, that's it. I just wanted a numb, mind-numbing job. I didn't want responsibilities. I was so, the whole real estate experience just, just put a bad taste in my mouth. I didn't want the responsibilities. I just want to get a job, get a paycheck, and that's it. This whole entrepreneur lifestyle and all that kind of stuff was bullshit. It's not, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist for guys like me. It doesn't exist for people of color. It doesn't exist for people who are born in this country. It doesn't exist for any of that stuff. It doesn't exist for our family. So why? Let me just get a job, be a good dude, work at 7-Eleven, whatever, and then just do this shit. And that's it. That's where I was mentally. I didn't want any responsibilities at all. Life is funny this way. I applied for that job. They interviewed me, and the manager said, what the hell are you doing? I said, what do you mean I'm applying for this job here? And she's like, no, 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 I know you're applying for this job, but your resume doesn't line up with this job. She was like, I can't hire you. I'm like, I, I need a job. <laughs> we just relocated, my wife was working, I, I need to work now. She's like, no, give me a minute. So she puts me on ice, she sends me home, she says, you know what, I need you to go home. I said, oh, excuse me, I didn't get that. She said, no, 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 I just need you to go home, really thinking about if this is what you want, and I need to make some phone calls, but I'm gonna give you a call. Are you tomorrow, 10 a.m. tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, I'll be available. She calls me the next day, and she says, listen, she's on the phone, and the vice president's on the phone of the bank. And they go, listen, you apply for this job, but we're creating this new e-services position, it was called, and this position was gonna handle payroll for corporations, um, the web banking, online bill payment, ATM services, and mobile web banking as well. It's gonna handle all that kind of stuff. We want you to run that division for us. And I'm like, that's a lot of responsibility. I, I don't want that, I, no, no, no. But then they're like, no, we can do this. We'll give you all these people. There's a meme out there we've seen, like a paycheck is a bribery to rob you of your dreams. And that's exactly what this was. They put a nice paycheck in front of me, what I thought was a nice paycheck for someone who was making nothing a day, so anything was nice. Um, they put this paycheck in front of me, put this position in front of me. It was nine to five, no weekends, no evenings, nothing. No, no duties, no pager duties or anything like that. Yes, for those who are young enough, they're being called pagers back then. Um, 
they, they dangled the carrot and I bit. I took it. So all right, fine. Who am I saying no to this? I took the job. Worst decision ever and best decision ever all at the same time. Worst decision ever because I felt that I died. Best decision ever because I was getting paid. Here's why I felt that I died. My spirit of becoming that entrepreneur, I, I just killed it at that point in time. And I was okay with that financially because I was getting that paycheck. But I'm like, this isn't me, but I, so I went to work every single day miserable. But I'm like, I'm soon to be married, want to start a family, so I, I gotta do what I gotta do, gotta suck it up and just get this paycheck and that's it. Damn, damn my feelings and my dreams, right? Who the hell am I? I'm being selfish at that time. Hey guys, Navi Musa here. So hope you enjoyed part one. Um, like I said, this is a, it's almost like an eight part series. We broke it up into four and four. And um, join us next week when we go into basically part two. See you guys there. Thanks for listening.